1: This is Speakernomics, the podcast about becoming a better speaker and building a better business. I'm your host, Tom Singer, and today we're going to talk about amplifying your brand in a crowded market. And our guest is Kenneth Kinney. Hey, Kenneth, welcome to Speakernomics. Thank you, Tom. And I got to be honest, your whistling gets better every episode. (laughs) That's not me. That's part of the tape. But... Uh, We are really glad to have you here, and we're going to talk about this amplifying your brand in that crowded market. So, So Kenneth, what are your two tips for speakers who want to amplify their brand? Tip number one, identify what is your
0: different. And tip number two, put your passion into your keynote.
1: Awesome. Well, before we dive into those tips, some of you may not know Kenneth Kinney. To his friends, myself included, he is known as Shark. And what he is, is he is a marketing and customer experience strategist and speaker. And he is insanely passionate, I mean crazy passionate, about sharks and shark conservation. Now, he has been speaking for over 20 years, and during that time, he has also worked with large brands, Fortune 200 companies, both inside the companies as an employee, but also as a consultant to many of those companies. And he's focused on marketing and advertising, and he's really good at it. So, Kenneth, let's start with this whole nickname thing. I refer to you as Shark, not actually Kenneth. How did you come about the nickname Shark? So as a little kid,
0: I came across a shark in the water. I came really close, up close, personal, uh, in a way that would make most people very uncomfortable. I'm I'm uncomfortable just hearing that you were a little kid with a shark. Well, luckily, I don't bite, but I became very enamored with sharks very early. And then I began to study them as a hobby, and it became a nickname that I've had for, I hate to tell you how many decades, but a lot of decades. Even my own son has called me shark on many occasions, but it's something that I do frequently. I go as often as I can almost every weekend during the summer months when the weather's good, but I go swimming with sharks outside of a cage. Most of the time, it's in South Florida, somewhere along the... Uh, you know miami jupiter west palm beach area or in the caribbean especially the bahamas where they have shark conservation that they do perfectly it's such an amazing opportunity you learn so much about life and nature facing your fears all kinds of things it's really my happy place is being underwater and a good day diving is a good day with sharks
1: so it's so interesting because I was introducing you saying how smart you are. And then you said, I go diving with sharks outside of a cage. So maybe I'm wrong with what I said. But every time you talk about some of this diving, I just cringe because I can think of a lot of things on my list that I would like to do. And actually being face-to-face with with real sharks that bite people, that isn't on my list. But you say it's perfectly safe. Yeah, well, it's, it's safe. You have to respect them in their territory. If you get to
0: learn what sharks really are and how they react and to you and to their habitat. It's not what you saw in the movie 50 years ago that Jaws made ever so famous. You have to really respect their territory. And sharks can be dangerous, especially predatory sharks often swim with tiger sharks, which are almost the same size as great whites. But when you're in clear water, when you're facing them directly, when you know how to interact with them, how to deflect and move them, you know, gracefully without hurting the shark, it can be one of the most life changing experiences you'll have in your entire life. I don't care what kind of shark it is. It can be with nurse sharks, those little friendly sharks. It helps you redefine your whole life when you have the opportunity to swim with sharks. And it's something I would do every day of my life if I could.
1: Well, you know, I got into the speaking business because as a young man, I was inspired by Harvey McKay, legendary speaker from the National Speakers Association. He's spoken all over the world. And his most famous book was called How to Swim with the Sharks Without Being Eaten Alive, but I don't think he ever actually swam with the sharks the way you do. No, but I sure would love to have the sales of that book. <laughs> wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't we all? So I want to dive into today because, you know, I think this sort of the, the shark thing ties into where we're going to go, especially with that second tip. But your first tip is identify what is your different. And, you know, we hear that a lot. We hear about differentiation and all this. But but when you're really talking about marketing yourself and amplifying your brand, what do you mean by identify your different?
0: Well, I talk about a lot of different behavioral science principles, especially with different brands that I've worked with, with different people and consultants as well. When you think about differentiation, one of the best principles to apply is think about the von Restorff effect. So, Hedwig von Restorff was this German psychologist who identified basically the isolation effect. So, when you think about a bunch of apples, if they're all green and there's one red apple in the center, that's the one you look at and you isolate on. Unless you're colorblind, but it becomes such a true principle in a crowded market to really develop your presence in a market where you are known differently as the person that's known for what you do and what you own. So if you think about logo differentiation, let's say that Tom, you and I have a different logo and it's on a pair of jeans. It's the old uh, Jordash or Levi or whatever those brands are. Uh, today. I hate to sound because I'm going to sound really old, not knowing or caring (laughs) about any Jordache, like half our population just said,
1: I don't don't know what Jordache jeans are. Half the population. if If you
0: take the logo off that pair of jeans, is there anything else there that really identifies who you are and what your uniqueness is? And it really is something that you have to zone in on and think, are you a replaceable commodity? Or are you the great speaker, Tom Singer, or Kenneth Kenney, or anybody else who really has carved out a difference, differentiation in the stories they tell, in the brand that they are, in the experience they deliver to the audience and for the meeting planners? And that's really key in this market when so many people are entering and have been worked as a conference planner for several years to help bring people in. I actually... Saw this firsthand after I'd been speaking for quite a while. I started looking at so many speakers who had developed basically kind of a vanilla approach. They all look the same, not as of a fault of their own, but their videos looked the same. their websites all look completely the same and there are a lot of things that are really important to have that consistently across different websites or different videos, but then Are you standing out from your competition? Are you standing out as a speaker that people are going to remember? It's something that you really have to think about what that is. It could be a, a huge variety of things, but really doubling down and tripling down on what that differentiation is, and not just as a hook, but part of your brand, as who you are and as you are as a speaker, can really make or break a difference to meeting planners that I've asked over and over. I want them to remember me or you or whoever else that really stands out as known in. Uh, especially as you niche
1: down. You bring up a really interesting point, and I've seen this over my 15 15- You know, about 15 years in the business where you say if you go to a website, what happens is, is somebody does a website and they start to get very successful and then everyone else follows on. And this doesn't just happen in the speaking industry. This happens in a lot of industries. You know, you get to the next thing and all of a sudden they're like, oh, make mine look like hers. Mm -hmm. Uh, I saw this. I used to be in the legal marketing world. That was where I cut my teeth in business. And there was a firm and I don't remember the name of the firm offhand, but they used the managing partners bulldog as Womble Carlisle was the name of the firm. And they used the the managing partner's bulldog in all of their advertising. And their theme was something like, you know, we're bulldogs in court or something like that. And it was like considered the best marketing for several years in, in the 90s around law firms. And all of a sudden, all of these law firms started putting their pets into mm-hmm. the thing. So all of a sudden, it was like all of the partners were posing with a parrot or their cat or whatever it was. And I talked to one firm and they said, oh, we don't wanna be anything like womble carlisle we're using cats and it's like no that's that's the same thing so you tend to see this in industries it's like when little kids play soccer one kid kicks the ball and everybody runs after the ball and we see that in marketing too if somebody has some success and then everybody does it that way what advice do you have for speakers to make sure we're not like three-year-olds chasing a soccer ball the same direction
0: well you should listen to best practices the most best practices suck And so as you're starting to develop that, don't just look at what everybody else has. Look at where you can differentiate yourself out. And that doesn't need to mean that doesn't mean that you need to be a left handed, redheaded, juggling clown. You know, if they're looking for left handed clowns who don't juggle, then you don't need to go that way. But you do need to figure out where it is that you're going to be able to stand out from the competition that they can laser in and identify as a speaker of choice, not just as a
1: speaker of many choices. So you have spoken at all of the big, well-known conferences in the marketing world, and you have seen a lot of the people who would be your quote unquote competition in marketing. Who stands out? Who does a very good job of not looking like everybody else in the marketplace? Uh, Session speakers
0: that are good speakers stand out because there are so few of them.
1: (laughs) So being good at your craft is a way to stand out.
0: Absolutely. Nice. And delivering a good experience to the meeting planners you work with, whether it's, you know, that is across the board, whether it's marketing conferences or uh, corporate events or associations are all the same It's delivering that great experience. But really, I think when you think about The ones that have actual research, especially not Googled stories that you can replicate anywhere, incorporate your own stories, it makes a real difference. I mean, the more that you do this, the more that you become, again, one of only a few choices, if not the only choice, because to meeting planners, confused buyers say no. And the more that you can double down on that message to help them find a unique part of you that they're searching for. And we get this a lot when we think about larger brands. Think about coffee. You're not going to get coffee somewhere. You're going to Starbucks. You know, I used to work for True Green lawn care, but people don't buy lawn care. They think of calling True Green. It makes you a lot more SEO friendly to search engine optimization friendly. So the more that you lean into that unique message, it's going to deliver a greater
1: brand presence to the people who are looking for great speakers. You bring up an interesting point, too, when you said, you know, one of the things that can really make you different is having original research. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's something, especially in a field like marketing, you know, having the data behind what you're saying, not just having a bunch of observational fluff really is important. So how can people do that research to put behind the oomph of their speech? Well, that's a wonderful question, because that's something I work with people all the
0: time on. Specifically, whenever you're writing a book, for example, because so many speakers write books, add in research, and you can partner with different research firms to do that. It's one of the easiest ways to do that. You don't have to do all the legwork on your own. You don't have to put out a survey and just wait for 10 or 20,000 people to respond so that you get enough of a sample size to do it. But leaning in with other firms that do this can help amplify that message. Two, I've often worked with colleges, universities to get research done. And that can become such a great differentiator because that puts an instant amount of credibility and, and trust that we so often think of with colleges, universities to get really good research and working with either a good firm or a college university. It's a great way to help build that market research quickly.
1: So what's a way to approach, say, a university? I mean, you've, you've done this type of work before. I mean, a lot of people are like, I don't even know where to start. Well, it's a great point. So your odds are you're probably going to know some professor somewhere. I've worked
0: with over fifty colleges colleges and universities, so I've reached out to a lot of them that I'm friends with. Uh, but it's very often easy to reach out to specifically say, like for me, a marketing person, a business department and reach out and see if they have interns who want to help get some credits, help build some research. Is there anything that they're working on, especially the statistical teachers to, you know, if they're doing any kind of research that you can lean into a lot of times, it, you can join and collaborate there. But like anybody else, universities are often looking to collaborate on that kind of lower level research. That's not just some massive thesis paper. Doctoral students all the time looking to get that that paper published somewhere. And for me, I've just been able to lean into working with them with a lot of people I've known.
1: So your second tip was put your passion into your speech. And I think based on my introduction of you and the original uh, first couple of minutes of this episode, people are going to know what your passion is, but how do people take their passion and put it into their speech? and, And what is it that you do?
0: Well, so a lot of times when I'm working with a brand or speaking at a private event or with an association, I'm often talking about marketing principles or business principles that help elevate their brands up to the top. One of the ways that I've been able to do that often is using my passion with shark diving. I use it as a metaphor. I often talk about being curious, being fearless, and diving deeper. And so a lot of those stories come up. And I don't spend the whole keynote of any presentation talking about sharks, because sharks are not for everybody. Most people are scared of sharks. But people understand Shark Week. They've seen the, the branding that... Channels like Discovery have helped put out the message with. But the more that I've been able to do what I love to do on the weekends, it's created an opportunity for me to use unique stories inside of different presentations. For example, often when I talk about uniqueness, I talk about the hammerhead shark. It's the one shark that stands out to people. Most people can't identify a small bamboo shark any different from a great white shark which are a thousand times you know larger than a small bamboo shark but everybody can identify the hammerhead shark because it looks so uniquely different so oftentimes for example when i talk about that i use the the metaphor of the hammerhead shark often with some video accompanying me swimming with, with hammerhead or some form of sharks. So the more that you can use a passion like that inside your unique stories, it becomes something to look at the world with a different perspective. And I say that because a lot of times our stories become more our stories. What I try to do with these unique stories that are mine is make them apply to the audience. The more that I'm able to do that and really just use the metaphor as a pin to help tell a better story, it becomes a much better experience for them. Uh, If I'm talking about a unique brand and unique brand positioning, it may have nothing to do with a shark, for example. It may have to lean on my experience working with these various Fortune 500 companies. But sometimes I'll leverage that story, and I do that often with through sharks. I also do that when I say passion. I also do that when I travel to Florida for a lot for events. What I've often done to become timely is I travel to the event a day before. I can weave in a diving trip. Then go speak for a client and often use some of the local conversation that went around that trip and unique stories that happened right before. And I found that those stories that happen right before when they're well thought out can often add a lot of color to an event other than, hey, remember the last time you were in Orlando and you spoke about this, that or the other in the local baseball team or sports team or whatever it is. So the more times that I'm able to timely use that unique passion, it helps a lot as well.
1: So I love the fact, too, that when you speak and and I've, I've seen seen you speak, you work in some clips. You have both some videos and some stills of you up close and personal with some pretty scary looking sharks. So, you know, what does that personal connection using your passion about sharks and shark conservation and then showing the visuals to the audience? What does that do as far as, you know, helping that with that overall amplifying your brand and your differentiation? Well, one, uh, I'm one of the I, I haven't seen another speaker demo reel, for example, that
0: has a warning. Don't try this on your own message in there. But mine is like that. It's it's uh, shows me swimming with tiger sharks. And I think uh, there's several different sharks in that video. But take that and apply it to, for example, what we talked about with the movie Jaws. A lot of people think that's the way sharks are. I help decipher the message with marketing and customer experience to focus more on the customer than just the brand packaging. And a lot of the same thing about sharks are that they're misunderstood. So a little bit like me, I'm able to weave that into the story just to give them a taste, if you will, to help drive home the message. I try to add a little bit of context, but there are plenty of non-shark stories in my speeches. I have to be careful that people think we're not doing just an oceanography lesson, but it (laughs) does make it extremely memorable when somebody sees me do that, as opposed to being the 8,000th person they've seen that has a blog or a newsletter or a website or an agency or all the same similar things. Uh, I'm not trying to outcompete somebody, but it is something that I've obviously leaned into that's very complimentary of my brand.
1: Do you find that when you talk on stage about something that is truly your passion, do you find that there's a percentage of people in the audience who then line up to talk because maybe they themselves love sharks or maybe they're scared to death of sharks or or whatever? Do you find that that happens? Because I'll tell you, one of the things in the last few years after I took up doing stand-up comedy... I worked that in to my speeches. And I talked about the fact that sometimes you have to get out of your comfort zone and try new things. And now that I've done 138 open mic nights, I throw that number in there. And that's just a really big number. I mean, there's a lot of people who maybe took an improv class or once did an open mic night, but that number makes people go, whoa. And I find people line up, even though my speech is not about stand up comedy, it's an example that supports the message of my speech. They still come up and, and want to like have that connection. They want to find out how I got involved and things like that. Do you find having a hobby that's a little bit not the norm? Do does that connect you more to a certain segment of the audience?
0: Oh, one hundred percent. No, out of in, out of a hundred people in the last ten years, I'm making up a number that come up to me. One of that hundred will have say, has said. I like swimming with sharks also. I've done it one time in, you know, in whatever location. They did it one time though. Of the other 99, three to 10 have told me that they were swimming with nurse sharks, which are the very friendly sharks. And then the other 90 ish said, I'm scared to death. And it starts a bridge of conversation. And it's amazing how something as powerful as a little bit of context. Other than, hey, great speech. We'd like to bring you to your event, which comes after. Um, But when they do that, it just kind of gives you an icebreaker. It's a weird icebreaker because, unfortunately, a lot of misperceptions occur when you're talking about sharks differently than, uh, say, skydiving or something like that or parachuting. Um, There's only so much you can you know, there's not a lot of mixed messaging in there or misunderstandings around those, but it does. A lot of people will just come up and say, that's crazy what you do. It's weird. It's, you know, it's my biggest fear or things like that, but it's a great way to break the ice. And then oftentimes we talk about, Hey, we'd love to you to come speak at our event.
1: Well, that's where I was going to go with my next question, because, you know, one of the reasons we all want to amplify our brand is we want people to remember us when it's time to refer us. Because as speakers, oftentimes there's people in the audience who they're not hiring a speaker that week. Mm -hmm. However, three years later, they're chairing a committee and they're like, oh, my gosh, I saw a speaker. And if there's something about you that they can call back to that meeting they were at and say, who was the person who swam with the shark? So if you're doing a good job of amplifying what's different and inputting your passion into your speech, I think that makes you more memorable over the long run. And thus... Get you more referrals. What's your thought on that?
0: I uh, would agree completely, and I'll tell you one as uh, as you were saying that made me think. I think the thing that always resonates with me is when they start calling me shark. There are a ton of meeting planners, conference managers and and conference owners that when they call me shark, it's almost like they know they know it's me. You know, they, they may not even remember my first name or last name, but they're going to remember it shark and they're going to know how to find me. And And I love that that has at least crept through. It's easier to remember. Oftentimes the names I'm not saying, everybody needs that kind of nickname, but we've talked about singer you know everybody thinks that you know they they start thinking of whether or not tom can sing he can whistle as you heard from the intro (laughs) but he can't sing but the more that you start identifying with something like that and whether or not again most important regardless of all this did you deliver a great speech right because that's what they're going to remember more than anything and so to answer one it's did you deliver a great speech too, it's just having something they remember you by. For me, it's calling me Shark, and that bridges the conversation further.
1: And I think this is true from the standpoint of the the, the big brands who you've worked for too. Oh, yeah. First and foremost, they have to have a great product or service because if your product or service isn't awesome, all this marketing stuff and all this ability to amplify your brand and stand out isn't going to fly over the long run. So for speakers, you know, you got to be great on stage. But that unto itself also isn't enough. You have to do these things that can help your brand be noticed and remembered.
0: Well, I remember I was doing a podcast interview with Dan gingis great guy, great speaker, great author. And he was talking about creating experiences. And this is something I lean into a lot. He was talking about a story about he took his son to a well-known steak place for his, I think his 16th birthday. The whole staff signs a handwritten card Great little thing that you remember in the back of your brain. They all come out, instead of having a candle, they had a sparkler. Again, wonderful differentiator than most, most places they would bring a candle. And all these little magnetic experiences they created that really made it sticky were great. But I remember asking Dan, but what about the steak? Because the meeting planner and that audience is thinking about the steak. They're not thinking about the sizzle. You know, those points help a lot and he wasn't wrong in any way, but they're going to remember the stake. And so, uh, you know, unless you unless you're V, and this is a great metaphor <laughs> to think about delivering a, a great experience, a great speech is going to be the
1: deal breaker for whether they remember you, whatever you do. All right. So as we wrap up this interview and we're thinking about how can people amplify their brand? What's something that speakers who are listening can do today, whether it's with their one sheet, whether it's with their website or something else, what's something they can do that'll help them pop their brand just a little bit?
0: Think of yourself as a category and try to become a category leader. The more that you do that, start looking. Look, if you think of resilience or marketing or any topic out there, there are a dozen speakers and a lot of them oftentimes look like you. Start looking at what makes you a different speaker, a different high-quality expert—one that comes in to solve their problem. In anything less, I remember I'm going I'm to give some, some shout out to Mark Levy, who said, "You know, if you take you out of this experience, I don't remember exactly how he said it, but if you take you out of this equation, then you're getting a watered-down product." And he's so right. They don't need to know that it's just me as a marketing speaker. They need to know that Kenneth Shark Kenny is coming as a marketing and customer experience speaker, and that's what they want. Create more of that perception of yourself so that you can differentiate yourself from a lot of other speakers, a lot of other great speakers. That doesn't mean the other speakers are bland or vanilla. Just focus on you and creating out something that they're going to remember. Become that red apple in a sea of green apples.
1: Shark, thank you so much for joining us here on, on Speakernomics. So you've been speaking for 20 years, but you're a relatively new, little over a year member of the National Speakers Association. And since this is the official podcast of the National Speakers Association, any advice for people who have been speaking a long time and were like, nah, I don't I don't really know if NSA is my thing. What caused you to pop over and and why are you here now?
0: Join NSA, full transparency. Tom Singer was a big big friend in helping me consider NSA. I went to my first influence in 2021, and I decided that at that moment, I am ready to focus on this full time, but I knew that I needed some focus because focus has always been a little bit of a thing for me. And NSA has helped me focus so much more on this as a business and not just as a hobby or as a side hustle or anything else. And so I burned the bridge at the end of the year, and I went full-time into speaking. And I am swimming as fast as I can in in a big sea. Swimming with the sharks, we'll say. Swimming with the sharks.
1: All right. Well, again, Shark, thank you for joining us here. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. You know what? I want you to join us here every single week for more thoughts, ideas, and actionable information on how to make more money and build a better business as a professional speaker. And always remember the motto of this podcast. Speak. Get paid. Repeat. 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 <laughs>